Thank you for joining us today. This is Clint Byers, lead pastor of Forward Church. I pray this message blesses and encourages you. I hope it inspires transformative grace in your heart and establishes you even deeper in your new covenant identity in Christ. Now take a deep breath, become aware of God's spirit within you, and enjoy the message. So this message is kind of a kind of a uh, part 2 of yes of last week and I will probably expand this topic for a little while um you know those of you guys that have been around for a while you know we tend to stick on a subject and we you know we massage that subject and we look into it and we go deep big picture get into the details and we kind of try to expand all this out I've got a lot of scripture I want to read today but, you know, there, there's not a lot of super practical stuff that I'm going to give you today. I, I, I really try to make the word practical. I want us to leave typically with something that's like, okay, I don't want to just learn something. I don't want to just be inspired or feel good. I, I, want to, I want something that I can actually put into practice in my life that changes things for me, where I can grow, where I can choose to actually live the word. And so, you know, I always want to bring that. Today, I think before we get into those points and sermons, uh, uh, I almost forgot. You thought you got away. My firstborn is 21 years old today back there. Sydney loves the attention back there, but uh, love you. We're so proud of you. Anyway, back to the point. Today... um, I want to talk about, in, in and I can tell it's a bigger message that's going to last for a while. We'll actually have Nate Tanner come in, who's amazing, in a couple of weeks. But So I want to talk about this idea of the kingdom. You know, it's, it's a really big subject. It's a really big topic. When Jesus came, when he stepped into his public ministry, he said, Repent and believe the gospel, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So that is a huge topic. I mean, you, could, you can preach for years on just that phrase and break it all out. What does repentance mean? Repentance is not when you convince God of how sorry that you are, and then he chooses to forgive you based on whether or not you've convinced him if you're sorry enough. That's a lot of people's definition of repentance. I've got to go to God, and I've got to apologize to him, and I've got to convince him that I'm sorry because I'm sorry, Right? Repentance, it does mean turning away from sin. It does mean, you know, there, there is a sorrow for the way that you've been living, and you, it, it's not honoring and glorifying to God. But repentance means, it's the Greek word metanoia, it means to change your mind, to change the way that you think, right? And changing the way that you think means that sin is killing me. That anxiety and that depression is not serving me. I need to change the way that I think and choose joy, I need to meditate in the Word of God. I need to take the Word, plant it in my heart and in my mind until it starts to bear fruit. If you need to change anything in your life, the answer is in the Word. What you do is you go to Scripture, you find some Scriptures on that topic, and you put those Scriptures in your thinking. And you think about them until it starts to make sense to you, until it it starts to change the way you think about that subject. And then the spiritual aspect of you putting that word in will bear fruit and start to transform you. It'll transform your behaviors, your desires, your expectations, how you see things, how you handle money, how you treat people, how you treat yourself, how you take care of your health, all these things, right? The word of God is the solution. The word of God is a seed to put in you that brings life. So please read your Bible, get into scripture. Not because you have to, not because of an, it's an obligation, but because you need to eat spiritual food for transformation, to bear the fruits of the Spirit, and to walk in the power of the Spirit in ministry toward others. It's all wrapped up in the Word. The seed of God is in you to bear fruit. Amen? And what's interesting is that the kingdom is also in us. And you can't really define the kingdom in a one sentence. You know, so when you think about the kingdom or a kingdom... We typically think of monarchs or rulers or whatever, right? You know, you think of a king that's a king over a kingdom and whatever they say goes and and however they, you know, treat people within their kingdom, that's the kind of the culture of that kingdom. And, you know, we know righteous rulers, there's righteousness in the land, corrupt rulers, there's death and destruction in the land. 
as we see evidenced by pretty much every nation on the planet right now. But by the way, you know that the news, basically, they tell you the worst possible thing that happened on the planet that day. That's what the news is. If your mood and your emotions is shifted because you're watching the TV, trying to figure out what's going on with the economy, what's going on with Russia, what's going on with, you know, the perversion of God's image, all that stuff, man, it, it's not that we deny that stuff, and it's not that we want to stick our head in the sand and not shape culture and influence culture, but do not let that shape how you feel about life in general. And so, again... This is a big topic. I'm, I'm going to try to wrestle it down into some things that make sense for us. But the kingdom is essentially, it's God's realm. It's God's rule and reign. It's that spiritual place where he lives and dwells, but it affects our world also. And it's kind of hard to understand the difference between the two. You know, when Jesus came, there's, and we're, I'm going to read a good bit of scripture here today in just a few minutes, and we'll go right through it. But we get the impression that God's kingdom is, in, is interlaced with this worldly realm. You know, it was an early church Gnostic error that crept into the church that Paul, the Apostle Paul, who wrote so many letters, so many of his letters were two churches to correct errors. And one of the errors was, from a Gnostic perspective, that everything physical is bad and evil, and everything spiritual is good. And so... Some weird things got brought into that. I'm not going to go into detail, but that's crept into kind of our denominational perspective. Even Christians in general look at the world and it's like, well, the world's bad, the world's going to hell, and look, it's just flesh and carnal, and blah, blah, blah. And what we really need to do is just wait to escape. And it's like, no, that, that, that's error. This world responds to the dominion of mankind. The reason the world looks like it does is because we introduced sin which produced death. That's not God that did that. In early in Genesis chapter 1, we see that God gave mankind dominion over this planet. So in a sense, this planet, this realm, this earth that we are here, we are the rulers of this earth. And so how we have lived and how we've treated people and how we've behaved, even energetically, sin has an energetic effect in the, the earth and affects and brings death, right? So the, what I want to try to do in this series is talk about the idea that the kingdom of God is also here. It's in the same realm. It's accessible. And I'm not saying you got to get weird and mystical and try to figure out how to phase into that kingdom and then phase back into this kingdom. It's like they're both here at the same time and how you think how you choose to live, the choices that you make, determine which kingdom is going to be affecting your life. Okay? How you, and, and so if you read Scripture from a behavioral perspective, you're going to see rules and lists of do's and don'ts and threats and blessings based on behavior. But if you read it from the spiritual perspective, understanding that you are already in God's kingdom as a believer then what you're reading is in the do's and the don'ts and the laws and the commands, and especially uh, in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, which is Matthew you know, 5 through 7. When you read that stuff, if you read it as if, well, if I do this right, then I'll get to heaven, and if I don't do it right, then I might go to hell. And if I, you know, and it, so in other words, if you read it legalistically from a physical perspective, you'll always wonder if you're accepted. You always wonder well, why maybe I didn't live good enough and this happened in my life. Well, I didn't do this well enough, and so God's now allowing this to happen in my life. But if you read it from that spiritual perspective, knowing your identity, which is what we focus on mostly in here, knowing that you have been delivered from the power of darkness, knowing that Jesus fulfilled the law on your behalf, and now you rest in His completeness. You are as one with God as Jesus is with God. You're as accepted with God as Jesus is with God. Because that's what he did in his atoning work. He made you complete in him, and you rest in him. But we still have these physical bodies and these minds to renew, and so it's like we, we live between two kingdoms. We're fully planted in the new covenant, the righteousness of God in Christ, accepted, loved, delivered, restored, and spiritually healed. 
And all of that, all of the benefits of being in God's spiritual kingdom, a lot of us are believing to affect this realm also, right? But it's, it's difficult to understand and how to engage, but it takes faith. So that's, that's kind of the big topic that I just want to wrestle with here for a little while for the next few weeks. Y'all good with that? Sound interesting? So it's not about how do I get into the kingdom. It's recognizing that the... So I didn't finish my thought on reading Scripture. There's a lot here, so I'm going to bounce around a little bit. I'll, I'll make it streamlined as we go. But you read it legalistically thinking God's out there. If I do good, then I'll get good or I'll get accepted. But if you recognize, no, I'm already delivered from the power of darkness and translated into the kingdom of Jesus. I'm in the kingdom and the kingdom is in me. I'm safe and secure. My salvation is complete, bought and paid for. I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places. He's given his authority to me. He's given his victory to me. He's given an inheritance. I'm no longer a uh, servant. I'm a friend, Jesus says, all these identity things. Then you read scripture more like a handbook of how to operate in this earth. And if you operate in the earth according to the way God prescribes to operate, it will go well for you because mankind has dominion over this planet. And so all of, all of that, so you know, if you didn't catch any of that or if I rambled or you spaced out and you're thinking about lunch or you're still trying to figure out what Sam was talking about, I love you, man. I'm just, I had to go there. Sorry. Mike's not here, so I had to get... Anyway, it all, it all boils down to this, sowing and reaping. Sowing and reaping. You reap what you sow. If you reap kingdom uh, living, you, or sow kingdom living, you reap kingdom. You sow worldly living, you know, you sow deceit, you sow fear, you sow worry, you strife, all that stuff, guess what you're going to get? But the kingdom is also available to sow into. Generosity, love, patience, kindness, faith toward God. What does that produce? It's all interlaced in the same thing. So for you science-minded people, I just kind of have an illustration here. You know, two, two illustrations really, and I've said this, but so we, we live in a three-dimensional perspective. You can go this way and this side to side, you can go front to back, that's two dimensions, right? The stage is a flat, two-dimensional, and then you can move within that two-dimensional plane anywhere flat. You add the third dimension of up and down, then you can move around in three dimensions. And then some say, uh, Einstein first, and there's, I don't know, I'm not a scientist, but I've read, and it's really interesting to think about, he defined gravity as another dimension. And so it's like, okay, where's gravity? It's under your feet, but where is it also? You hold it up here, it drops. So gravity is all around you. Think about it. Just for, I mean, honestly, think about it for a minute. Where is gravity? It is a permeating field that we live within, and it affects everything that you do. It affects everything that you do, and it's available. So you can either work with the laws of gravity or against the laws of gravity. And if you fall off a ladder and hurt yourself, it's not gravity trying to teach you a lesson. Are you with me? Do I need to take a break here? If you, fall, if you hurt yourself, if you drop a bowling ball on your toe, gravity does not say, oh, you need to learn a lesson today so we're going to usurp the laws to hurt you, to teach you a lesson, right? If you go against God's natural laws and order, God's not coming into your life and making bad things happen to teach you lessons. You're just reaping what you've sown. You're operating death to reap death. Are you with me? So the idea of God's sovereignty, sovereignty means, or sovereign means, a supreme ruler. Absolutely, God is sovereign. 100%. Knows all, created all, most powerful. There's only one. He's the only one God that exists. But he's not exercising his authority in the minute details in your life of whether or not you run out of gas going to work that day, or whether or not you get in a fight with your spouse, or whether or not every single person that you run across that day happens to be mean to you, and you start to wonder, golly, maybe God's trying to tell me something. 
I'm telling you, trying to figure out what God is or isn't doing in your life based on circumstances is like the least accurate way to try to figure out what God's doing in your life. If you want to know what God's doing in your life, look at what Jesus accomplished and look at how Jesus treated people and look at the promises that are available through Him. Amen? If you're trying to read the tea leaves of life or the tarot cards of life, in a sense, you know what I'm saying? And it's like, well, that happened, so maybe that means this. Just you, you. <laughs> I wanted to say something mean, but I'll say, stop it. <laughs> so I know I'm throwing a lot at you, and if you're new, I'm I'm not trying to choke you with all this stuff, but but I just I'm just kind of setting the stage for where we're going. But this idea of gravity is like the kingdom, right? So where's gravity? You're putting your hand through it. If you do like this, you're putting your hand through gravity right now. It's around. It's measurable. It's there, right? Or you think about the electromagnetic spectrum. I'm going to put this up here, geeking out a little bit. This is a, this is a uh, linear representation of the electromagnetic spectrum. If you don't know, the electromagnetic spectrum is the spectrum of light. But then also, so if you see here, if you can't read it, on this side over here, you've got radio waves, microwave, infrared, and then the middle there is visible light. That's what we can see. Humans can see the rainbow in the middle there, the visible light. But all this other stuff exists as well. So the further you go this way to the right, the radio waves and the micro, and further out, the longer the wavelength is and the more base or dense or slow or heavy or however you'd want to interpret it, that's, that aspect of the electromagnetic spectrum is. So this is the spectrum and you take sections of it, the further right you go, the, the slower and longer the wavelengths get, but you come back to the right through the visible light, you get ultraviolet, x-ray, gamma, shorter wavelength. So this description here says shorter wavelength, higher frequency, higher energy. Now, as an illustration, I'm not saying this perfectly represents the life spectrum, I'm just saying this, you know, Romans 1.20 says we can clearly understand the things that are not seen by the things that are seen. All of these are happening right now. There are radio waves in this room. There are microwaves in this room. And if you have a receiver, you tune it to the right frequency, then you start picking up the radio waves. But as, as an effect right now, those radio waves are really doing nothing in your life. You have to have the right device, receive it the right way, and then it turns into what? This amazing music, right? The kingdom like this is the kingdom. The kingdom is all around us, but it's perceived and interacted with the proper receiver. Now, first, you've got to be born again to experience the kingdom, to enter the kingdom. But then once you're born again, you get a new heart, and it's like getting a new receiver. Your heart determines the degree to which you will clearly interact with and perceive the kingdom that is around you. It's with the heart that we believe. You know, man, I'm telling you, we'll have to go into some heart stuff in this series, but the condition of your heart ultimately is the main receiver, transducer, whatever, that interacts with the kingdom. The kingdom is all around you, right? The realm of healing, the realm of generosity, the realm of abundant living, the realm of wisdom, the realm of peace, righteousness, joy. It's all in the Holy Spirit, which is in His kingdom. It's available. It's around us now. It's at hand. Jesus said it's at hand. So I'm, I'm trying to paint a picture, and I hope some light bulbs go off for us, because you praying to God is not sending a message to outer space and then he determines if he's going to answer or not and then sends you a message back and then you have to try to get your antennas up and discern it. No, you are actively engaged in his realm now. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus said, repent and believe the gospel for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's right here now. And so you interact with it. In other words, you sow into the realm where there's slower frequency, you know, so I imagine in the life, let's call this a life, and so I'm not, don't, don't think that this is a one-for-one -one representation. I'm not saying that God is over here perfect light, 
and darkness emanates out of him. Don't, don't, that, that's not the point that I'm saying, but kind of this can use, is this making sense? A good illustration for you a little bit, right? It's like, okay, I can see visible light. I can see what I can see in this realm. I see circumstances, but if I go to where there's more energy, there's more kingdom energy, there's more wisdom, there's more understanding, I'm going to go over into, into this friend group here, and, they're, and I'm going to reap back out encouragement, kindness, gentleness. I'm going to reap back out. Maybe they're going to get in my face with my sin habits, but it's going to pull me more into life. Or I'm going to stay over here with the fighting and the watching the news constantly and getting baited into racial debates and getting debated into sexuality debates. And it's not that you don't, it's not that we don't address those things, but we got to address them fully planted in the life aspect of the spectrum, sending light into that place. Not down there fighting with those methods, the carnality and those methods, the struggle, trying to debate with whether or not there's two genders and all that stuff. It's like, my goodness, you know, you're standing over here in the light and you're looking at that and the, the darkness, the darkness does not understand the light. It just doesn't. So, you know, we, we need to have those conversations. We need to lovingly be able to talk about those topics and deal with things. But from the light, you... And, and, and how you live will determine if you're reaping from the kingdom or if you're reaping from the sinful, death-ridden, broken world. Meaning, you go through Proverbs and there's all this instruction about living uprightly, living righteously, telling the truth. That's why I love Jordan Peterson. Man, you know, he writes a book, rule, 12 Rules for Life. The first rule is clean your room. Just get things in order, right? Get the chaos out. Uh, so, So... The legalistic mind thinks that if you live right, then God will bless you. But the, uh, the actual understanding is there's blessing all around. God has given me everything that pertains unto life and godliness. All of his promises are yes and amen. Jesus died to give me all the benefits of the atonement. He's set me free from the law of sin and death and given and put into action in my life the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. That's where we live. So to interact with and experience the benefits of that realm, it's how you think, it's how you pray, it's how you make decisions, it's what you allow yourself to feel, it's how you treat other people. So when Jesus showed up on the scene, and he said, repent, believe the gospel, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Then he started teaching a bunch of moral topics and how to treat people and how to live. It's not so that you can earn your way to heaven because you can't. And we all know that we can't. And he, what he did was he taught morality. He taught the law to the level of impossibility. Obedience from the heart is how he taught it. But knowing that you can't keep the law, so he made you accepted in him through his work, but it is still up to us to live uprightly, to interact with that kingdom that's all around us right now. And it's hard for us to understand it because it's like, how do you understand spirit? You know, But it's here. So you sow into kingdom life and kingdom benefit by how you live, by how you think, by what you say. And then you layer it with mankind has dominion over this planet. What we're sowing into this planet will be the, con the, the constitution of this planet. And so, you know, you put all that together. For me, I don't want to just give up on this world. I don't have the eschatological or end time perspective that we're just going to, that everything's just trending toward death and then Jesus has to come and rescue a powerless church. I, I don't see it that way. I see that there's wheat and tares. They asked Jesus about it, and he said there's, there's wheat and there's tares. There's wheat and there's weeds in the end. And you nurture the wheat, and God will take care of the weeds. Amen? Is that helpful? Are your wheels spinning? So let's read a bunch of Scripture, all right? And I'm just going to click through these because I want to I kind of set the stage scripturally just about what we're going to be talking about over the next couple of weeks here. So the big picture of what God's doing is, this is Ephesians chapter 1, and we're going to read 7 through 10. And you can follow me along if you would there, please. 
Uh, so in him, in Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will. The mystery, say mystery of his will. According to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. So how does this relate to me? The kingdom is here, and what it's, it's like, it's like Jesus is the seed of the kingdom that has been planted into this earth, and it's growing. You know, Jesus himself is life. He himself is wisdom. And he came into this earth planted as a seed, died, and then birthed life back into the earth and is making the kingdom increase and available for us to interact with. Amen? If you, if you think of it in terms of a garden, and there's so many scriptures that talk about once that kingdom is inaugurated or birthed, to the increase of it, there shall be no end. But what's interesting is that there's, there are still enemies and weeds in the midst of it as his kingdom is growing. And so Matthew 13, when, the, the, when Jesus gives the parable of the world and the end, they go, to, they go in the story, the, farm, the helping hands go to the farmer and they say, well, there's weeds, should we go uproot everything? Should we go call out everybody's sin? Should we go condemn everybody that's not living uprightly? Should we, you know, be the, police, the church police and call out everybody that's got erroneous doctrine? You know, whatever, whatever weed pulling is to you that you feel like you need to go attack the darkness, in Jesus' parable, he said, no, 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 no. Let it all grow up together. God will take care of the weeds in the darkness. You nurture the wheat. You be about the wheat. You pay attention to the wheat. Yes, you protect the wheat from the weeds as much as you can, but it's not about, get, it's not about thinking that the, dark, the weeds are going to overtake the garden in the, in the spiritual cosmological perspective of what God's big picture is. He's bringing everything together in Christ. So one of the things that I hope you leave with today after reading these scriptures that we're going to look at is trusting, man, you know, there's still a lot to be hopeful for. We still have work to do as ambassadors in God's kingdom to communicate the gospel, to walk in this authority and power that we have, and declare the good news of the kingdom. Jesus was a kingdom preacher. Jesus wasn't even a law teacher. He wasn't even really a moral teacher. He was a kingdom teacher. He taught about the kingdom, His kingdom, the kingdom of God. And to interact within that kingdom and to sow into that kingdom to reap kingdom benefit, how you live is a factor. Not to determine whether or not you get saved and go to heaven eventually, but how you interact in this realm now. So let's keep going. I, I guess if I were to bottom line these passages, I just want you to walk away with some understanding that Jesus did bring a kingdom. He, it, 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 it is around us now, and we can engage, and we can interact. And, and as believers, you know, every, every Christian believes that God can do miracles. But then you bring it down to the level of practical living, and denominations get split, and, you know, some people say, well, all that stuff was back then only to prove Christ's deity, but those that are still believing, you know, it's like, I, I don't really want to make, I don't really want to look at it as a miracle or hearing from God or receiving from God as God out there has to invade this realm. I want to look at it as I'm living with God who is in this place now. I'm cohabitating on this earth within God's kingdom, living with His Spirit, being led by His Spirit, dispersing light into the darkness to shed light to see the increase of God's kingdom. Amen? There is an end. There is a resurrection. There is a final judgment. I'm not taking all that stuff away. I'm just saying we got work to do. Let's not just hide as believers and think, oh my goodness, the world's going to hell in a handbasket. I mean, because we can make a difference. Amen? Okay. This is Isaiah 9. This is one of the early prophecies about Jesus. 
which is then referenced in Matthew 4. We're going to read that. But, th so, but this, is, this is describing when the Messiah would come and inaugurate the kingdom or be planted in the earth, and then the kingdom would start to grow. That didn't happen until Jesus, and this is a prophecy about it. But look at how it describes what living in the kingdom can be like. Uh, nevertheless, the gloom will not be... So he's talking about Israel, which is basically the church. Nevertheless, actually, I've got that right here. Let me just show you, because when it's talking... Some people are confused about this. These aren't just prophecies to ancient Israel. These aren't just prophecies to ethnic Jews. These are prophecies to people who would believe in Christ. So Galatians 3, just to set the stage before we read that. Galatians 3, and I know there's a lot of Scripture. Bear with me, we're getting there. Galatians 3.26 is, is in the New Testament. It's a great book describing... Um, well, let me just read this part. So, for all who are sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ, for as many of you as were baptized or born again into Christ have put on Christ... There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor free female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Okay, so say I'm an heir to Abraham's seed. I know this is a lot, I know it's technical, but I'm trying to put a lot into our thinking so that over these next few weeks, and I hope that you go to our small groups and talk about these things and go back and, and just, you know, pray about kingdom revelation this week, getting the Holy Spirit to illuminate these things and talk to you about what it's like to live in His kingdom. But so this prophecy is phenomenal. Nevertheless, the gloom will not be upon her who is distressed. And I'm telling you, you can live free from that sense of gloom, that overhanging heaviness that what what for whatever reason it's there if it's because life has been unkind to you or because maybe you're looking at the world and you're just letting it affect you that overhanging dark cloud what was the Snoopy character that Linus no the one that had the cloud around him all the time right? was it Linus that sounded like Pig pen, pig pen. Oh, you remember pig pen? Just had that cloud, a cloud around him, and you know, I, I see. You, you can live free from that. You don't have to have that cloud of gloom hanging around you. Amen. So, as when at first he lightly esteemed the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, and afterward more heavily oppressed. I'm gonna have you follow me again. Uh, oppressed her by the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, in Galilee of the Gentiles. It's a lot, but I want you to get this. The, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Who's it talking about? Jesus. Talking about Jesus. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. You have multiplied the nation and increased its joy. They rejoice before you according to the joy of the harvest as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. For you have broken the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, as in the day of Midian. For every warrior's sandal from uh, the noisy battle and garments rolled in blood will be used for burning and fuel of fire, all these effects of when he comes. For unto us a child is born. We all know this part. Unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. You know, that in, in Islam, one of the attacks on Christianity is that to believe that God is uh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they would say, well, you're a polygamist because you believe in three gods. Where's the proof before Jesus came that Jesus is God? Right here. This is talking about who is Jesus, this son, this child, will be called Everlasting Father. Right here is a prophecy about the Son being the Everlasting Father. Now, if you understand that, please explain it to me, because the Trinity is complex and dynamic, but amazing, right? 
Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government, talking about when he's first planted, and peace, there will be no end. It started then, it's increasing now. I'm sorry if it's super technical, but I've got to get all this stuff out, and I hope it's helpful to you. So upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, say his kingdom, kingdom. say his kingdom is in me, me. uh, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice. See, that's the way of the kingdom, to to interact with and reap kingdom benefit, live justly, live righteously, live uprightly, because then you're interacting. It's almost like you're, you're vibrating on the frequency of kingdom when you live that way. And so you will have in your life the effects of living in that aspect of the spectrum of life. Amen? So to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forevermore, the zeal of the Lord... Now, this is important. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. He is busy establishing and increasing His kingdom as we speak. And to the increase of it, there will be no end. Now, in the midst of that, Jesus says there's weeds in the kingdom. There's weeds here. They're they're either overlapped or interlaced. However it makes sense in your mind, we're in the midst of dual realms, right? Uh, So, but the big picture is nations rise and fall. Whether or not the USA goes back to its constitution, gets government out of the way so that we can follow God freely and all the morality that comes with that, whether or not the USA holds to that ideology or not does not determine whether the kingdom is increasing or not. Now, I want godly nations. I want nations that are ordering and you know, putting out documents that, that are, are as close to a godly perspective as we can get, right? But the na- nations rising and falling don't determine what God's kingdom is doing in there. I think, actually, the wor- this is not just me thinking. If you look at all the metrics that measure the quality of human life, everything's getting better from a big-picture perspective. There's less um, injustice in the earth. There's less abject poverty. There's less starvation. There's less hunger. There's less infanticide. There's less murder. But if you watch the news, that's not what you're hearing. I mean, now, like never before, people on one side of the planet care about people on the other side of the planet. That never happened. To me, these are all effects of kingdom, but God is not getting the credit for it yet. It's just like the seed, you know, it's like there was a seed of stank in that bathroom back there, and if it looms out here, you smell it, it's like, "Mm." I forgot where I was. I had a really interesting point to bring that, and then I I lost it in the middle of it. Let me go back to Scripture. All right. Almost done. We're almost there. I want to show you in, I want to show you in Mark, or, or, or sorry, in Matthew, So now when Jesus heard, this is New Testament, Jesus is walking the earth, Matthew 4, 12. Now when Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he departed to Galilee. I know I'm confusing you. you, you And leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is by the sea, in the regions of Zebulon and Naphtali. Now, this is specifically saying that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah, which we just read in Isaiah 9 the prophet saying, the land of Zebulon and the land of Naphtali by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light and upon those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. You follow the rest of what that says, the prophecy in Isaiah 9, the light that has dawned is the government shall be upon his shoulders, his kingdom shall begin to increase, and to the increase of that kingdom there shall be no end. Now, here's the bottom line point. The bottom line point is we're not just sitting in a broken world waiting to, be, waiting to die and go to heaven, 
or waiting for it all to be rolled up so we can get out of here. We're not just sitting here with everything turning more and more dark. We are in the time where the kingdom of God has been planted. It's established and it's continuing to increase as God brings all things in heaven and earth together in Christ. Now, could there be a global digital currency that they turn off if they, if they don't like the way that you live and your head is cut off and you are enslaved and AI takes us over and we don't even trust our own thoughts anymore and we're all gay and transgender and weird and stupid? Because <laughs> if you watch the news, we're all going to hell. I mean, you know. It's just dark, death, destruction, and, and you're like, oh my gosh, there's no hope. It's so... But, it, but the kingdom, the kingdom is increasing. And, I, and I'm not trying to say that the darkness isn't there. It is. Jesus addressed it. The weeds are there. Should we go attack the weeds? Not according to Him. What we should do is keep planting wheat. Be light. Be salt. Live according to the moral constitution of His kingdom uprightly, above reproach, free from the law of sin and death, free from the lure of temptation, living righteously, living well within that holiness that He's given us in Christ, walking in His power, being bold to step into job opportunities, being bold to pray for people because He said, the things that I do, you'll do. That is hard to believe, isn't it? But that's what we are to do. That's what kingdom people do. If we want to participate in the increase of God's kingdom on this planet. Now, at the end of that Isaiah passage we wrote, remember, it said, the Lord of hosts will do this. He's establishing His kingdom. We just participate in it. The rise and fall of God's kingdom is not on you. But you... But somebody else experiencing it might be part of your role to play within his kingdom. Are you with me? All right, last, last, last passage here. It's not even 1130. We're doing good. Uh, what happened? Okay, so this is 1 Corinthians 15, 20. Now, this is interesting because what, what I think it does is it describes where we are now. And, and you, you, you get the imagery and the language of the kingdom being here but yet there's also darkness here at the same time, right? One day there won't be. One day, in, in Jesus' parable about the end, one day it says God will send His angels and take the darkness out, and there'll be a resurrection and a final judgment, and this place will be restored, and who knows what all that's going to look like. Now, what happens between now and then, I'm not sure. You know, if, we're, if there is the big bad boogeyman still in our future that's going to control us all through AI and weird perverted transhuman sexuality? I'm just kind of looking to see, you know, y'all must not be, some, y'all's friends aren't sending y'all those conspiracy links, are they? Y'all are looking at me like, what are you talking about? Some of you, some of you know, some of you been there, you've read it. Last selection here, 1 Corinthians 15, starting in verse 20. But now, say now, now, Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. That's for the final judgment, resurrection. But at each one, in his own order, Christ the firstfruits after those who are uh, Christ's at his coming. So go back on that one for just for a minute. One more back. Okay. See, that, see where it says, so in Christ all shall be made alive? Okay, there's an error out there now that uses this to say that just like everybody died in Adam, everybody is saved in Christ because of this. Whether you believe it or not, the whole of humanity is saved in Christ. There is no hell. There is no afterlife apart from God. That's called a Christocentric universalism. It still gives Jesus credit for salvation, but it says that everybody's saved whether they believe or not. I just you know, Some of you may have come across that. It's actually really appealing. If you grew up in traditionalism and you struggle with 
the judgment and the justice aspect of God, that sounds super appealing to you to read that and think, oh, well, then everybody's alive in Christ. We're all saved. But then he says, and then goes one, two forward. Uh, then when he delivers the kingdom of God, uh, sorry, go back one more. But each one in his own order, Christ, afterward, those who are Christ's, it makes the distinction. Some are Christ's, some aren't. And it has everything to do with not how people live, but what they believe, right? Whether you've believed unto salvation. So again, back to the kingdom kind of at hand mindset. If you go to the next verse, please. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to the Father, when he puts an end to all rule and authority and power. Okay, wait, go back one more. Sorry. When he delivers what to the Father? The kingdom. Again, reiterating the idea, the kingdom is here. It's there, but it's here because he's going to clean it and deliver it back to the Father. It's a really interesting kind of detail. And I don't know if you, if you care to get this deep to think about these kinds of things, but to me it's fascinating to think, okay, what's happening right now? You're telling me at some point when Jesus... So let's keep going, and then I'll finish that point. For he must reign until... He has put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that will be destroyed is death. Go, uh, yeah, so for he has put all things under his feet, but when he says all things are put under him, it is evident that he who put all things under him is expected. Now when all things are made subject to him, the Son, then the Son himself will also be subject to him who put all things under him that God may be all in all. So go back to the one that, uh, where he must reign. And this is my last point, and then we'll dismiss. We'll pray and dismiss. Here, yeah. Okay, so this, this, the same point, really. Jesus is reigning currently. There's, there's actually a lie in the earth that when mankind sinned in the beginning that we gave authority to the enemy. That's not true. The enemy has never had authority over the planet or over mankind. What we did was we defaulted in operating in our own dominion over the planet and began to believe the lies of the enemy, and he usurped our authority and has used us like puppets. But mankind can step into our authority over this planet. We can legislate in such a way that constitutes morality, hoping to get to the hearts of the people, right? It, the point of all this is we are in charge of this planet. It's up to us of how, you know, what, what's going to happen. Yes, voting at a very basic level is one factor. You know, fighting for moral rights and, and um, fighting for life and, and, and you know, all the, all the cultural issues. Absolutely, we should address those. Don't just say, well, that's just the world. The world's dark. The world's going to hell. That's just what they're going to do. I can't wait till we get to heaven. No, that, that's irresponsible cultivation of the planet. That's allowing darkness to still be there. You don't go and you, you don't go and attack it and try to uproot it. You just cause the wheat to overgrow and overtake where the weeds are growing. You shine light into the darkness so that it's exposed. Now, some people love their darkness. Some people aren't going to, they're, they're going to rebel against God and they will face separation with, uh, from God eternally. But in the meantime, let, let's not just give up. Was that too much? I wanted to lay a kind of a thick foundation for where we're going to go over the next few weeks to talk about some of our personal responsibilities in the kingdom some of the spiritual aspects of the kingdom, some of the practical aspects of living in the kingdom. That's, you know, because typically when we think about kingdom, it's all supernatural and spiritual and gifts and, you know, out there and woo-woo. And, and, and it's so much more practical than that. There's a natural order to God's spiritual kingdom in this earth now that we can live within and have an effect still on this planet until the end. As Jesus is reigning, ruling in this earth through us, eradicating his enemies out of this kingdom. Amen? Amen? Did I give you a lot to talk about for uh, lunch today? Good stuff. All right, let's stand up, put our attention on the Lord, if you would.
just think about you know, something that, that, that sparked your interest today. And I just want you to make a commitment to go to Scripture and read about it a little bit this week, all right? Just, just see yourself, you know, just all, all that I just served up here. Just think about, okay, well, this part was interesting to me. I think I'd like to go and study this out a little bit more. And just make the commitment to yourself. I'm going to go into the Word this week. And even if I'm gone to a different topic, that's okay, but I'm going to go into the Word this week and I'm going to search out a little bit more of the kingdom and my role in it. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to gather. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're the teacher. We thank you that it's your logic and it's your wisdom that we are seeking to renew our minds with as we put on the new man, as we live within this righteousness that you've given us, as we live within this holiness that you've given us. We thank you for the peace that is between us and you, Father. And we thank you that you have equipped us and empowered us and sent us into this world like you sent Jesus to, be, to, to proclaim the good news of your kingdom. We don't have to argue with people. We don't have to convince people. We just proclaim the good news of your kingdom. And, and we can do it as practically as how we behave in our jobs in front of people. Sometimes the most powerful witness we can do is just how we live out the principles within your kingdom in front of people. But Father, we thank you for strength, for guidance, for your grace, your power inside of us. I thank you for those that are here today or watching or listening that have pain in their bodies. Father, we speak life. I thank you that your, your kingdom, your spiritual kingdom is rising up and eradicating sickness and disease out of their bodies. I thank you those that are struggling with mental illness and, and uh, emotional issues. Father, I thank you that you're affecting their physiology so that they produce hormones properly and all the stuff that's going on with our thinking. Thank you that you just minister. Just, just, just relax for just a minute. Just let the Holy Spirit minister to you. Maybe this is different for you. You don't know how it works. Just, just trust that God is in you and He's seeking to minister to you. He's praying for you. He's giving you life. If you're a visual person, just imagine Jesus is praying for you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for your life that is available. Thank you that we're in your kingdom. We thank you for wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of who that you are. One more thing, if you're in this room today or you're watching online and you haven't said yes to Jesus and you want to for the first time today, just lift up your hand. Nobody's looking at you. We're all for you. Just lift up so I can see. All right. And if you're watching online, we've got a video that'll walk you through a prayer. Man, Father, thank you. We trust you and we love you. We honor your name. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.